Cars live, here we come. This show about to go, Jeremy Lee, get it done. This hobby is a lifestyle, bro. Y'all know. This hobby is a lifestyle, bro. Let's go. Best guests in the industry, you gon' see it tonight. We gon' keep up with this energy at Sports Cars Live. Y'all know it's a lifestyle. Y'all know that we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cars Live and After Hours with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right, everybody, here we go. Welcome to Hobby Hangout on Sports Cards Live. This is the second installment of this particular show on this channel. And tonight I am very excited to be talking about the National, where myself and the three panelists recently got back from. It was last weekend, and we are going to be diving into our experiences, give everybody a few different perspectives on different angles that we all sort of attended the show from. That will be, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I want to let you all know tomorrow night at 10 o'clock Eastern on Sports Cards Live, our guest will be Brian Gray, Leaf CEO. He will be on for a record ninth time with me. And as you know, if you've seen it before, he is always insightful and very, very entertaining. And then late night tomorrow after that show, I will be going live on After Hours, talking about my pickups and uh, other Q&A from the National. Join me for that tomorrow night late. And then on Sunday at 7 o'clock Eastern on Collectible Live, our guest will be Warren Lawfer. He is from the Mint 10 Investment Fund and uh, has a lot of great perspectives and knows a lot about the hobby. And uh, excited to have Warren on with us to, on Sunday at 7 o'clock Eastern. Let's get to the panel this evening. Let's bring them out one at a time. We will bring out John first, John Basketball Card Guy. Welcome to the show let let's go to where we're going to bring out sue sue's great to have you back you've been on with me before john you were on an episode of the pwcc auction closing sue's was on sports cards live and for the first time ever on the channel i am happy to welcome mark zablo from bleaker trading welcome to sports cards live you guys this is great i'm excited to have you i haven't done any content since leaving the national i did I did almost no content at the National. I was waiting for this, so I'm glad to have you guys on with us. Let's jump right in and just start talking about the show and giving our perspectives, uh, what we saw, what we felt, the energy in the room, those sorts of things. Um, let's start with you, John. You were there as a floor walker. You weren't necessarily attached to any specific vendor or, or company set up in the corporate area, but you were there walking around. You know, what were your gen what's what was your general feeling at the show uh during the week? I, I thought it was great. It was great to be back there. I had been to the last one that was in Atlantic City five or six years ago. And it was kind of exactly what I remembered, and that was big room, giant rectangle. So for people that have only been in the Chicago one, Chicago's a little confusing. <laughs> There's like multiple rooms connected. This is just one big rectangle. Um, so it's kind of easier to walk, easier to see, brighter lights, taller ceilings. I like the vibe in that room. Uh, and it's funny because I've seen like a lot of hate since the show about Atlantic City. And, oh, never, it should never happen there again, all of that. Like, I can't talk, you know, I can't talk to what happens in the streets outside or in the local hotels that people had experiences. But in that room, it's actually a really great space. Um, and you know, I, for those of you that were in the Chicago one last year, the aisles were much bigger here in Atlantic City. Yeah. You could actually walk. And so it had a really good vibe. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm completely with you. I love I love the facility. I also love the facility in Cleveland, which I think we're going to be back at in a few in a couple years. Uh, compared to Chicago, Chicago, which feels like lower ceilings, a little bit darker, and all that. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you, Suze. What do you think about what he said? Uh, you you were you were kind of you were located in the middle of the show in the corporate area with SGC, and I've heard people say that it felt like two different nationals, one on one side of corporate area and one on the other side and you were there in the middle i saw you a few several times walking by we had some chats um what was the what was the vibe coming from the corporate area of the show um first i was there with csg same letter different order um um no i actually agree with that statement because um i spent i was there for five days i was there for pretty much every minute of the national and it was really hard for me One, you're working so you can't leave the booth but it was really hard for me to get to the other side of the building because it is spread out in a very different way than chicago so the breakers pavilion like i barely had any time to get over there and i you know it was it was it was a little disappointing in that sense because there are people this is my 10th national so i've been going to this for a very long time and there's people who i would have loved to have seen and you know how the nationals sometimes this is the only chance you actually get to see somebody in a year right it's the it's like a big reunion and i didn't get a chance to see a lot of people that i wish i had seen yeah the vibe was great in the corporate pavilion yeah that that, i felt the vibe was great in the corporate pavilion area as well but it's funny you say that that you didn't see some people you wanted to see i it was the same thing for me i saw lots of people there but there's probably you know, a dozen people that I know were there because I've seen them post on Instagram or, or YouTube or wherever. And I'm like, you were there and I didn't even get the chance to run into you the whole time. I was there every minute of it as well, almost every minute of it as well. And there's so many people that I was looking forward to meeting that I just didn't get a chance to run into. Zablo, we're going to go to you. So you were there, you were you were set up at a, at a vendor booth. You were talking to, to the, the collectors, the investors, the, the attendees walking around. Um, how was the vibe for you from your booth? And uh, you are on mute, so make sure you remember to take yourself off before you start talking. But yeah, what was the vibe like for you from a from a vendor's perspective? You know, one, I think you know, as you mentioned early on in the show, you haven't created any content since you got back. I think, like all of us, there's a massive hobby hangover right now. Um, some of that started, you know, pre-national bleaker. And it's just kind of carried its way through. Um, so, you know, for us, it, it was um, we were right in the middle of where um, corporate um, crossed over uh, into some of the, the bigger dealers. Um, Just Collect, Leighton Sheldon, they're opening their store as we speak in New Jersey. They were kind enough to give us some space. Uh, we brought more of our type one photos and some merch, uh, not too many cards. You know, we kind of felt the vibe from collectors that uh, they wanted to buy. Um, There was a lot of money in the room. Also felt a lot of dealers that we spoke to. Um, They didn't want to take the L's. They were happy to quote high and not really worry about if they were making sales because they have cash too. Um, So it just seemed like, you know, there was a a lot of of graded prism for sale, Um, you know, as I'm sure John would enjoy. Um, I liked where we were because we did get to meet so many people from the corporate side, which is, you know, where we're looking to grow as a business. And it was really cool 
uh, the way corporate did commit this year. Um, you know, I did hear a lot of the good and bad of that. Um, the good is if you look at what eBay did two years ago in Chicago, that was the first time we felt like a brand that wasn't a Tops or a Panini, a card manufacturer or a GTS, uh, really contribute and elevate the hobby. This year, eBay and what they did with Ski was obviously creatively fantastic, but the competition for those booths were out of control. And obviously, you know, Zero Cool just, you know, what Zero Cool did would have blown away like South by Southwest. Uh, and you got to hand it to them, like the, the clerk's cards, like that stuff's cool. Um, so just I think what we felt was um, a lot of growth coming. Um, a lot of people with cards that get it. A lot of people with money uh, that aren't going to make foolish decisions. Um, I think the Wi-Fi really hurt because uh, you couldn't comp. And we all, you know, I, I think John's a guy why, why I like him is because, uh, you know, he, he buys on his gut. Uh, doesn't buy a lot of graded. So the comps are really what he thinks they are. And not being able to comp, I think, hurt some transactions in the first day or two. I learned if you got there early, Wi-Fi and service was great. Um, so I think, you know, it's just, it's just the hacks of the national. Um, you know, as John said, Atlantic city, isn't the best place, but once you got in that, that room was really, really good. Um, I do think, you know, what, what I want to know for next year is how does corporate grow more? Um, you know, we hear that there's more space being afforded to corporate and some dealers are losing their space, but I think it's good. I think corporate innovating is better for us. So how does, what's that going to look like? And, how can these dealers uh, still be there? I think the best part of the national, and here's the one thing I learned, Jeremy, as a dealer, because I've only set up at the national really twice. Last year, we just kind of smashed and grabbed it. But this year, what we learned were, you know, people want the, the hard to find stuff. All of our Jordan stuff, no one looked at twice. Um, but out of all our type one photos, the, the Johnny Cash, uh, June Carter sold. Um, the DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe stopped everyone at the table, but you know, Jordan six rings, every sneaker in a type one, no one looked twice. So I want to make sure that doesn't get lost at the national, because I think some of those smaller rare dealers, um, they're maybe not as big on social or they're not, um, content creators. Um, uh, but man, they really kind of make the national special when you do your treasure hunting. So, um, so I hope that I hope that maintains, but I'm excited to see where this comes together in Chicago, which is a great city for the national. Yeah, you're looking you're looking forward uh, to next year already, and um, I think I think everybody is right. The countdown starts as soon as the the current national ends. I know John's laughing because you know that feeling, right? It's like all right, you have a couple days to to travel home, feel better, and then it's like, hey, I could I could go back. I'm ready. To, I would go back tomorrow if I could if everybody was there again. Uh, to one of your comment, you know, comments about the city and the the facility, M. Perk, who I had a great chance to chat with at uh, at the Wednesday night uh, party, says, uh, "Just take the convention center and move it to Chicago, please." Like that would be a perfect solution. And I'll I'll go one better. Uh, the IX Center in Cleveland is even a better facility, in my opinion. I mean, you guys, I, John John knows right. Those ceilings are super high. It's bright. There's a Ferris wheel in the middle of the, of the building, which actually. Is a, is a cool little feature. So, and I do believe I've heard that uh, the next three years it's going to be Chicago, Cleveland, Chicago. I think there was a vote. I don't know if it's final yet, but that's that's what I've heard. I want to uh, 
I want to address a couple things you said, Zablo, and get John and, and Suze to, to speak to these as well. You mentioned the the activations in the corporate area. You mentioned uh, zero cools. Um, I mean, roadshow, roadshow, uh, the LCS roadshow. Those guys, a uh, piece of the game. I've never seen an LCS with such an elaborate uh, activation inside the corporate area. John, I think you had something to do with both of them. You helped them with their video. But yeah, I mean, I was I was literally like, what? That's 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 for an LCS. Like, what what is going on in the hobby that LCSs are investing that kind of capital into these types of activations? John, you'll have some insight because you did produce some of the video that was rolling yeah, on there. I work with both of them. Screens. Yeah. It, so they're thinking a lot bigger. I, and that's I think that's the difference. They're thinking bigger than a traditional LCS would think. They're thinking about multiple stores from day one. They're thinking about, you know, how do they stand out in a space and, you know, and give a unique experience. I think kind of coming back to something that Mark said a minute ago about, you know, about the corporate area and, and what that added to it. This national felt more like the Mint Collective than, than the previous year's national to me because of that, that there was more interest in kind of going all out in the displays and having those experiences, which is something we saw at the Mint a little bit, but we didn't really see as much at, at the National before. Um, these guys, you know, Piece of the Game has a store in Wappingers, New York. Um, you know, they, they describe it as the Apple store of card shops. Um, I would describe it as almost a high-end jewelry store that contains cards because everything is back behind museum glass. Everything has a QR code on it. So you can scan it from your phone and see the price because the prices change. So they've got some dynamic pricing even going on inside that store. I mean, they're, they're solving for something that every LCS on earth had an issue with in the last two years when all the prices went up and they had sticker prices in your local card shop, you know, that were way too low. And you've got to either honor that price or embarrass yourself by not giving the person the price, which is even worse. So these guys decided, you know what, we're going to put QR codes on everything and we can dynamically change the price in the background. So as something spikes in the market. So, you know, um, you know, a great example, unfortunately, is Bill Russell. That market has totally changed with news of his death. And so something like that in a typical card shop, that price would be stuck on the card, what they had from before. And that price might have doubled or tripled in the market overnight. And so with some of that innovation, even just we're talking stickers, like we're not even talking about how gorgeous the store is at that point. We're talking stickers is really lending that that ability. And then, of course, Roadshow Cards, Jimmy and the crew over there, um, I helped them develop the brand. We actually came up with a brand in my Connecticut office. Jimmy flew up um, and we designed we came up with a name and I designed the logo, the initial one, and then every subsequent one after that. And his mission at that show was very different than any other vendor, I would say. You know, he is in the corporate section, but like you pointed out, Jeremy, like he's he's a card, he owns three card shops now, it'll be a fourth soon in California. But his goal there wasn't to sell singles. It wasn't to sell, because if that was the goal, he would have had a lot more of them out. <laughs> um, instead, his booth was a circle, and like a circle in the center, and then he had on each kind of corner of the square of space that you have, he had each one of the four shops represented. So the logo right. and then someone in front that was from that shop. So you could meet your local roadshow while you were there. And then that centerpiece was for him 
to have some privacy in talking with folks to do exactly what you described at the, at the beginning of this, which was try and meet as many people, try and hook up with those people, even though you might miss 12 or 14 or whatever it is. Um, he had a space, a very comfortable space that you could come sit down, have a conversation and kind of not feel like you were at the national anymore. Not even feel like you were at a vendor's booth because it was that kind of experience. So both of those guys, piece of the game and roadshow cards are looking at these things a little bit differently. They're trying to grow relationships. They're trying to make these big impressions and they're trying to open multiple stores, um, you know, in, in kind of quick turnaround. I think, I think what I see them trying to do is just really build their brands and make their desk, their, their locations into destinations for people. And by, by having these activations at the national, it does that. I think it, it, I think it accomplishes that it really made to me, I want to go to their stores now after, after seeing those. Okay. You, you, have, I, you, you feel yeah. like that, right? It's that's, and it, it totally means it was it, successful, which is great. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They, they, they may, they, they accomplished their goal. I would say at least from my perception of becoming a destination, like, like bleaker is in New York city. I want to talk about that in a second, but first I want to go to Sue's again, as far as the, the corporate feel of the show, you know, um, John just said that, uh, that it felt a little bit more like the mint collective, which was really a, a, an industry summit of sorts, right? It, it was meant for the industry to get together, some thought leadership, those sorts of things. And it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't an afterthought, but there was a card show attached to it, but, and the card show was actually really good at the mint collective. I was very impressed with just how many vendors there were. I think, and they're going to they're gonna continue to improve with their show next year as well at the end of March back in Las Vegas again at the MGM. But the, the, the National, I heard people say there was too much corporate there. And I say the National isn't just a card show. You, if you want just a card show, you got Dallas, you've got Chantilly, you know, you've got these other shows around, you know, Burbank's show coming up here at the end of the month, which, you know, there will be some corporate there. But I mean, those are card shows. The national is a convention and there's a difference between a show and a convention. And the, so if you say there's too much corporate, well, you just have to accept that. And let <laughs> trust me, there's no shortage of dealer booths selling singles at the national. Suze, I mean, you have worked at several companies in the hobby, Tops, Golden. Uh, maybe I'm forgetting one there. You are now with CSG, uh, a card grading company. I mean, what are your thoughts on the national as far as being just that? You know, it, it's a it's a it's a conference, and it, I think the word conference is in the name of the show itself, right? So, did it deliver what you think it did? And what what do you say to people who might say too much corporate? Um, my first national was in 2010. It was in Baltimore, which, by the way, if we ever go back to Baltimore, two thumbs up for that one. Yeah, that was a great facility. But what's funny to me is I think about that when we think about the corporate pavilion, that was the first time Tops had come back to the national in years. Like they had not been there and their booth was literally borrowed from the candy team bazooka. And it was like, if you didn't know at the time, there was a big, it looked like a big candy bowl at the top of it. And it was um, a, essentially a, a kiosk and two people sitting behind it talking to collectors and handing out cards. That's what Tops did. Like it was, you know, the size of my desk, like essentially. And to think where, you know, it was back then to what it is now, it's it's completely night and day. And even before going this year to the national, um, I had conversations with people about how it fe it's feeling more like 
like Comic Cons, right? So if you look at the other side of it and you look at these types of conventions, you even have Gen Con going on this weekend. You look at San Diego Comic Con, New York Comic Con, all these types of conventions. It's a place about communities and less about selling things. And I think that's what the national is about. Yes, the card show is there and it's become not as high as a web priority as the corporate part, but I think that's okay because the national is really about this community and bringing things together because it's, you have the corporate, you know, the corporate booths and getting things out and engaging people and everybody having such a great time. But then there's also the events that are happening after the show as well. You know, the sponsorships that are happening, the trade night, the parties, it's becoming an event. It's not just a card show. And I don't know if it was ever necessarily really a card show, it was, but like, because now we're in our 42nd national, but it's not a, just a card show anymore. And I think that's important to, to, to think about when you're going to the national, because you really, if you really want to see everything, you kind of have to plan out ahead of time what the different boots are, like what the different corporate boots are doing and what you want to do after hours. And, and it's really just about being there. You, I've been to nationals where I've never, I didn't buy a single card. And I still had a, fa a fabulous time because of, the, of those reasons, because the national is about the community, in, which includes the dealers. And that includes the corp, you know, the corporate booths and the companies that are in it and include, but essentially includes like the people. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it, we have to remember it is, it's still the, the biggest card show going. I mean, as far as I know, I have never been to Dallas and I hear the Dallas show is a monster, which is great. I, I hope to get there at some point, but for shows I've been to, it's still the biggest card show. Even if you just take out the corporate, you're still left with, you know, miles and miles. It feels like a vendor booths. Um, I want to I want to say one thing that that is I believe a fallacy about the na national. You often people say that any, if you're looking for a card, anything you need, you'll find it at the national. Uh, that's just not true. That that's a complete fallacy as far as I'm concerned. That might have been true when there were may, many fewer cards out there in the wild but now there's so many rare cards so many things that you, you're just not not gonna find there anymore thinking of going to the national in chicago next year or any other into thinking that there's a there's a card you need that you're gonna find there you might not find the card that you want there another thing i always say to people is don't think that you're gonna go there first thing in the morning on on wednesday walk you know walk around make notes about cards you want remember where they are and then go back and get them you know after you decide which one you're going to get by the time you go back to get those cards chances are they might be gone it happened to me a couple times you know but i walked into the show i think i bought my first card within 15 minutes because i knew that that card would sell if i didn't buy it right now and i just had to make that that decision so um okay i want to talk a bit more about the pre-national event that zablo and bleaker hosted at Bleecker Trading in New York that I had the pleasure of attending. Show of hands on, on, on that side of the, of the screen. Who's been to Bleecker? Both of you. Yeah, so all four. I'm, I am now proud to say that I, I count myself among those that have, that have been to Bleecker. Before we, we get that, though, I'm going to run through some comments here. Uh, we got Irving Manera in from L.A. Irving, good to see you. M. Perk, uh, yes, had a blast with you. It's Cigar Night hosted by... Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze, oh, my podcast, Andrew and Cage, a couple of great fellow hobbyists and content creators. Don't know about you guys, but still recovering. Yeah, I'm, I'm finally over it, I would say. Show your slabs, Corey, what's going on? Says Zablo for president of the hobby. Well, at least event planner. Fair comment right there. 
Um, we also have uh, Show Your Slabs says the Breakers Pavilion is a dead zone unless you make a concerted effort to draw people over. I walked that it, it went like at one end of the rectangle of this floor plan. You had PSA at the back wall. Then you had the Breaker Pavilion. Then you had vendor tables. Then you had corporate. Then you had vendor tables. And uh, the few times that I walked through the Breaker Pavilion, there wasn't a lot of action there. It was loud. It was very loud, but not a lot of attendees roaming through the aisles. You could get you make your way there pretty easily. Uh, it's funny Chad, before, yeah, uh, yeah. I would just say it quick. It's funny before the con when seeing the the map and seeing that huge space for PSA on the end. I thought that was going to be the best space in the show because it looked like you were going to enter through there and then you hit the breaker pavilion, but they actually ended up being like really out of the way. Like I, I didn't actually get to see their booth. Honestly, like I went to the breaker stuff. I saw like whatnot had half the, the space with all the events that they were doing. And then it was kind of pushed back. So I felt like that could have been integrated a little bit better. But. I think you're right. Whatnot. I got to give them some props for, for their activation. I mean, they had a, they had one wall to the other covered in the theme of a boardwalk, they had boardwalk games set up like ski ball and then target shoot, these kind of things. Like that was a, a big statement that they made for sure at the uh, at this year's national. We'll see if they do it again, if they determine that it that it paid off. But uh, the statement was definitely made by by whatnot at, at this show. Uh, Chad Shipper, we survived the night. Yeah, great hanging with you too, says Zablo. Thanks for the awesome night at Bleecker Monday night. Yeah, I got to see Chad there as well. Ryan Roddy says, is there a lot of diversity in terms of teams and sports, or is it mainly only a handful of players that are at every single table? I mean, I'll start this one off and just say tons of diversity. I'll leave it at that and let uh, who wants to, who, which of you is best poised to, uh, to kind of address this and explain a bit of the diversity of, of items that were laid out for sale. It might be you, John, because you probably floor walk much more than anybody. So why don't you take it? I, I was going to echo something that you said, Jeremy, in a in a story during the the national, and that was there were actually hockey cards there, Tons. which, the, yeah, which like as you know, it doesn't happen all the time at shows. So there was there's a huge representation of that. There was yeah, there was a good mix of everything. Um, I mean, there there always tends to be. I actually saw less vintage this time than the last national. I don't know if if the folks that had those tables and have had them for 20, 30 years ended up selling them to other folks for more money or something, and they just didn't want to go, I don't know, but I saw less of the vintage stuff this year than I did last year. Um, there was plenty of bargain boxes and stuff, you know, around, I, I spent about a half an hour at a booth that had everything was $3 and I, I picked up 93 items. Um, it was huh. a whole mix of stuff and it was all sports, all things. So I think there was really a good mix this year. Um, there was F1 I saw, even though, again, I don't look through those boxes. Uh, there was, there's plenty of that, uh, as well. Soccer was represented too. I mean, it was, it was pretty wide, but hockey, hockey was all over the place. And you don't, you don't see that usually. You, you don't What one, one uh, fellow collector told me that he thought there was 10 times the hockey at the show this year versus last year. I would, I would echo that. I couldn't believe hockey's seems to be a, a bit of a trend right now and uh, makes me happy. It's my number one. So, um, you know, but there, there's also more than just cards. You've got memorabilia, you've got pictures, you've got some apparel, you've got all sorts of things, the type one photos, the anything collectible. People had Rolexes in their showcases. I've, I've seen money in showcases before. I don't know that I've ever, ever seen, you know, luxury watches in showcases before. And I even met, I even know somebody who bought a Rolex at the show. 
from from a vendor I, or traded cards for the Rolex. I thought that was pretty funny. I don't know if that's a sign of where things are going, but hey, you know, Did you take it to be authenticated are, after. <laughs> I think it came with box and papers, they told me. So I think that's uh, that's something right there. Uh, Steve Elmore, nice to meet you at the night. It's nice. It was so nice for me. So many people came up to me uh, just as I was walking around, you know, saying they, I'd be walking with Jeremy Lee. I'd be like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. What's your name? You know, and a lot, lots of uh, lots of nice comments on on Sports Cards Live and the content I put out. It was it was nice. And I, I just everyone who did. I uh, thank you for if you're watching, listening right now. Thanks for introducing yourself. It, uh, it really made the show so much more fulfilling to me along with seeing everybody that I already know the people on the screen and just it that that's the you know the whole community part of, of the show is uh like Sue's just said she's gone to nationals and not bought any cards but Susan confirm for me did you have a great time that time that you didn't buy any cards I always have a good time same thing everybody's so wonderful it's like I said you get to it's like a big just happy reunion you get to see some people one time a year and you make the best of it yeah, exactly, exactly. Carl Dykstra is planning to go to Chicago next year, hoping he can afford PSA prices to get his dad's Ford 9 Leaf premiums graded. Frank Estella, great to see you again. Long fly ball, looking forward to seeing how the hobby evolves in the next five years as monumental changes steamroll the old guard. That's, you know, that's that comment is interesting because, you know, there's a lot of vendors that have been in this hobby for decades and a lot of them find it hard to adapt to the, the new way of things. And those ones, maybe they're the ones that were flipping their tables because I heard that that booths were being were being kind of flipped and you could even sell a, show, a showcase on your booth. I heard people are getting $1,000 or $2,000 just for someone to rent one showcase at a booth. That's, that's a lot of money for one showcase. But you know, if you're putting in uh, big value cards, it might pay off pretty, pretty quickly. But uh, yeah, the hobby is changing. The next five, you know, this to, to this week, this past weekend, I think even in the corporate section, the, the general vibe in the room to me was everybody is very excited about the hobby still, which I find, find really interesting because there's a lot of negativity you see out there. Just, you know, the hobby's crashing. Values are down. If you bought cards, you're, you know, everyone's losing money right now in the hobby. That's just not the case. Zablo, why don't you jump in on, on, on that? And then I want to talk about bleaker but just talk a little bit about that that hobby narrative that you know that it might not you know the narrative that the hobby is not healthy i mean that was put to bed this past weekend was it not your card collection may not be healthy but the hobby is very healthy i spent a lot of time upstairs where the corporations had their meeting rooms and you know, you didn't see the the Ken Goldens and that and Nat Turners on the floor as much. Um, you know, um, and it, it was very healthy from for from my standpoint there. So, um, yeah, there's there's um, there's a lot going on. It seems like, and uh, again, just going back to zero cool. I mean, I don't want to feel like that that's the dominant player based on their booth, but it's been talked about by a lot of just a lot of circles how their evolution from the V friends and the jackass to now some really you know um, desirable franchises like Stranger Things and the line that they they kind of had there and you think about at least to the era that I collected the '90s when Fleer Ultra made Beavis and Butthead cards 
and we were coming off the generation of Yo MTV raps and some of that and trading cards. You know, right now, trading cards are two segments in my mind, sports and gaming, you know, but we forget what the how cool that pop culture element brings into it. And so, you know, take a step back. Don Diego had a trade night, right? We had a Pokemon trade night on Friday night, which I didn't intend, but from all looks of it was massive. And I saw a lot of hobbyists like Ryan Card Collector, etc. A lot of people showed face to support it. Um, and that was another thing. Um, you know, you talked about uh, whatnot. You know, they shut it down. I mean, they stepped up for the hobby. You know, can't leave out collectible. Every night had something going on bringing us together. And, you know, I think Atlantic City brings some additional elements with the casino and the gambling and the drinking compared to maybe a Chicago where it's a lot more condense and the trade nights can happen in those hotels and if you're not going to a corporate party you could still have something hobby related versus gamble um but it was cool to hear that iverson was out playing roulette at the borgata and i know a lot of people like the quality i've been reading in the comments the quality of athletes that have shown up um and i think look at that a little bit too jeremy um the athletes i think i saw paul pierce on a lot of videos after really having fun with this stuff um, you know, it's, it's almost like the retired guys get it more than the current guys, but to see Paul Pierce to some people, that's like as cool as seeing, you know, LaMelo ball to a younger generation. So I just, I think it's extremely strong. Um, like I said, the meetings happening on the second floor, I think are, are going to really, um, help drive what we're excited for now. Depends on what influencer you followed in 2020, uh, your collection may be down. But uh, otherwise, uh, I think the hobby's super, super strong. Yeah, your collection may be down if you bought all your cards during the the bull run. There, you know, the especially if you bought anything during Q1 of 2021, which was the peak. But uh, there's really uh, that's not what everybody did. You know, uh, your collect your collection value in 2018 might have been you know at zero or sure, let's say zero, and then it might have gone to 100 in Q1 of 2021, and now it's sitting at 60, 65. You're still doing a lot better than the zero you were at in, in 2018, let's say, and I know I'm just using zero as, as a baseline there. Um, the athletes, Zablo, yeah, I mean, it seems to me like the athletes in the old days, being pre-COVID, athletes would go to these shows, they do their autographs, as just like a pain in the butt to get their check and then they'd want to leave you know they'd have fun they'd be, be nice to the to the the kids and then the adults that would go to for the photo ops and all that but they weren't there they weren't there to socialize or have fun they were there to make their money do their public appearance and leave now it seems like the hobby's gotten cool somehow the hobbies become cool and they're becoming more and more a part of it because a lot of their contemporaries are, in, are invested in a lot of the companies within the hobby you mentioned about how, you know, shout out to Collectible. Obviously, I work with Collectible, and you said that they they had something going on every night. Yeah, they had some great events. I want to bring up GM10's comment here saying it could be better run and have organized events to the people. It felt like most events or parties were private or not publicly shared. There's a lot to improve on. I want to touch on this private, not publicly shared piece because it's true. Uh, but I think there's a really good reason for that, and that is if you're throwing a party at $50 a head, which is... <laughs> You can't do that anymore. It's probably more like 150 ahead. You can't make these things open to the public on a, on a on a corporate marketing budget. You have to be selective with who you invite. However, 
there were trader there was there was the official trade night which happened in the convention center on thursday night there were informal trader nights in various lobbies throughout throughout the strip and and the, the borgata uh which is not on the strip so you know i don't know how they could have private parties and open it up to everybody that would just that they'd be blowing the bank but uh but you know anyone have any comments on on that aspect of things you know i do i think my biggest takeaway from the hobby after meeting so many people that I haven't met over the last couple of years where um, there's people who consider themselves uh, a business person because they do business in the hobby. Um, and then there's people that have the business acumen to do business in corporate America. And I think we get confused on what those things are sometimes when we talk about doing business in and around this hobby, there's a lot of corporate America if you walked around, it was their first time at a national, maybe their first time at a car show. The majority of corporate America. That's what I, that's what I personally felt. There were a lot of hobbyists who have been to thousands of car shows. Their first time really understanding how corporate America moves. So I think there's a lot to learn on both sides. Yes, corporate America did show up and show out this year. And it did bring the opportunity for the corporate figures, the key opinion leaders, um, to get together a little bit more and see what that elevated experience can feel like. On the flip side, it gave the corporations the visibility into, we don't know the numbers, but probably almost 100,000 plus people, captive and high spending, cash on hand, uh, willing to wait in line, willing to travel. Um, you know, willing to post and, 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 and give their information. Uh, I think they probably saw, wow, whatever, however big we went this year, we only captured a microcosm of what we can do with the budget if allocated properly. Bigger challenge, though, Jeremy, is corporate America's budgets still aren't there for this hobby. So for a brand to have a couple hundred thousand dollars, because that's what it takes, to produce those collectible type of experiences. Um, we're, we're just not there yet. And hopefully by next year, the fanatics of the world can help push that and that rising tide will bring it. Um, but it was just a pleasure that there was anything. Cause I think, you know, as Suze will probably tell us, there was probably nothing after a national for, for many years besides the endemic brand uh, events. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that for sure. Suze, do you have anything to sort of add to this discussion? I mean, you've been you've been with companies that have had events. You've been to them. Um, speak to that briefly. But then I want I'd like to hear your perspective also, if you can kind of put these two questions in your mind of um, what were you hearing from people that were walking around and, and talking to you? I mean, you're a very approachable, friendly person. I'm sure you talk to tons of people. What were you hearing from people? Uh, as far as, you know, thoughts on the hobby, the state of the hobby, and just the show itself. Anything that you can add to that, as well as uh, the event side of things? Um, for the event side of things, you know, for me, yes, I work for a company. And you definitely, like, like last year was, a, you know, the golden party with everybody there. And it's cool. And it's cool to be part of it. When you're a part of it, like, yes, you, you're like, yes, I'm in the room. Like, I feel cool. Um, but I get that it's like, it's always the same people who are in the room, you know, and I think it would be, it, it's good for companies to sort of open it up to other people. Even if it's like, yes, we can't afford to you know, have this public and have a hundred, you know, two, 250 people show up. 
but maybe we open it up to say like 25 people and people who want to come who aren't one of the an influencer can come to this and like sort of ran them off like some tickets to the, to other people to be part of this to be part of the parties i get it um having said that i also think that even if you don't go to these parties a lot of collectors make their own parties like you said like you're having these sort of like unsanctioned trade nights and people going out and um making friends so i think you kind of have both sides of that part of it um but then on the on the floor itself um when it comes to the hobby i think people are excited yes you're right you're not it's like okay it's not where it was value wise like q1 2021 but it's it's the quality is different, right? Like, so like the companies are coming out, like you said, like I, I held my card chat this week and my card chat, I have a weekly Twitter chat. And one of the questions like of the corporate boots, which one was your favorite? Um, and zero cool came up often because of what they were doing at their booth. And I think that's the thing that people want to see is just better quality happen things happening in the corporate area. Not just like, yes, I love the cards and I want exclusives, but I also want memories and I want to do things and I want to have fun and I want to like come back the week and feel tired, you know, for several days after because I had so much fun and I did so much. So people want to be engaged. They don't want to come to a corporate booth and just like, I'm just trying to sell you something, you know, it's like, yes, that's part of it. And I want you to buy what I'm selling, but I, people want to feel welcome. They want to feel engaged. They want to feel like they're part of a community and that they're part of something. And it's not just um, give me all of your money because we're all fighting for those dollars and there are a lot of dollars. But, you know, when it comes to being a company, like we're fighting for the same dollars from these people, whether it's buying cards or grading cards or, you know, being an auction house or whatever it is, we're all fighting for the same in the same pool right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, well said. And I think it ties into something that M Perk says right here. You know, he says, I like companies big and small showing out, but I especially like when they show their appreciation of me as a hobbyist, whether that's packs, a scavenger hunt, admission to an event or giveaways. And what I, what I read, read into that ties into what you were saying, Suze, is, you know, that, that experience thing. It's not much of an experience to just walk up to a corporate booth and look at the, everything on display. If, you know, if someone comes up to you, now you've started an experience. And then if there's an actual activity or something, you know, I love when you can get your picture taken and it's on a card. Well, you know, Upper Deck has done that. Panini's done that. PSA has done that. I'm sure others have done it as well. To me, that you have something to go away with, with yourself on a card. To me, that's a that's one of the coolest things that you can get at a card show or at a national as an as an attendee. I always like I always like that. Um, yeah, I want to... Oh, go ahead. I just wanted, so if, even for myself and those that are working, my husband and my son came down on Saturday to go to the show and they, you know, they're there as collectors. And my son is six and he's obsessed with cards, loves baseball and Pokemon. And watching him go around and being able to do things at the different booths, what you say? It's like there's kids breaks and there's photo booths and there was a money machine, you know, like money growing up. And, you know, Tops having their raffle ticket, you know, all, like the, the pack horse. The fact that, like, for him, yeah, it, yes. Um, my son literally woke up Sunday morning, and I'm like, oh, good morning. And he looks at me, and he's like, Tops, Tops, Tops. And I'm like, please don't. Like, <laughs> I can't take you that so much. But it makes such an impression on these people that they become, like, 
lifelong fans of these companies. And I think that's the important part is to make these, give them these experiences of things that they're never going to forget. Yeah, no, well said. Okay. John, I want to I want to go to you now because I want to talk about some of the experiences that you had. And like I was a floor walker like you were. I'm calling ourselves floor walkers, attendees, people that weren't really attached to any specific booth. Um, and I want to talk about the ability to transact, the mood of the vendors, of the dealers. I mean, what was that like? Were they willing to negotiate? You you often hear over the past several months that dealers only want to trade, they're not buying or you know, their comps are so high. I've got my thoughts on all these things, but speak to those topics if you don't mind, please. Yeah, I I did more transactions with people on Instagram while I was there than I did with dealers there. I literally met folks. They said, oh, I have a card I think you'd want. And I said, that's great. Let's meet at such and such booth. And then we met and we did that transaction. I went around. I met um, some of the dealers that I was friendly with, some that I have never met before, but we've also communicated online, have mutual appreciation for each other. And so I bought a few things from them, but otherwise it was, it was a lot of, you know, just, just person to person. Um, I would add to something earlier though, too, that a lot of this is about the excitement. And when, when the person was asking earlier about like getting normal people involved in something that's normally a corporate event with a few people there, I think there is a difference because I, there's just a, I'll equate it to something from my past life. I, I used to work in the music industry and I was at the MTV VMAs one year um, as a guest of a band. And I met Damien Fahey, which who was a VJ, a really popular VJ at the time. And here we are at, at the VMAs. And he says to me, you know, I don't get excited for concerts anymore. I need something like this to actually excite me. I, I just, I, I see too much. And that stuck in my head for decades now, like thinking about that. And I think the same thing is true in some of these places that people that have been to every one of these corporate events kind of start to take it for granted. Um, I had the unique opportunity. So I was walking the floor Sunday, like the full day, but I got pulled in by friends to the autograph pavilion. And I, I had the privilege of actually counting autographs. <laughs> so that was like my job uh, for Mitch Richmond while he was there. And so I literally followed him around with a notebook. And every time he signed something, I had to make a check mark on it. But it gave me a lot of time to chat with Mitch. It gave me a lot of time to chat with other folks that were back because they were, I ever assume, was, everyone was back there. It was Saturday. So it was like the, the prime day for autograph signing. Um, and the same thing applied there. And I think this is why, when you were talking about earlier, like seeing Iverson, you know, at the roulette table, um, seeing these guys around. Some of them had multiple events that were going on over multiple days. So they had to stay in the hotel anyway, and they were there. And so they were just living their lives, and they were there, and they were kind of excited about that aspect. Um, what I talked about with Mitch and some of the other guys, too, as they were signing autographs, as Chris Mullen was there, was the fact that as they're going through and they're signing, like there was this one photograph of Run TMC, you know, each one of them signing it. And, you know, it's only taking them maybe 10 seconds total to sign the whole, the whole you know, piece. And I said, what's amazing to me is that in the 10 seconds it takes you guys to sign this, that piece is going to be hanging up in someone's house for years or in their office. And that, that few seconds that it took you now, they're going to appreciate that. 
that's going to be appreciated so much. And that comes from the collector, <laughs> right? It's like the hobbyist. Like, we all know what that's like. We all know how much we treasure these items. And so I think in that conversation, everyone I talked to back there, I brought that up. And because I think that after a while, they get into that same mindset of like, okay, like Mitch Richmond was on his 800th autograph, you know, as I'm checking down. At some point, you got to, it's kind of routine, you know, but if it, you can bring them back into that, look at how important what you're doing is. I know you're just doing this with a marker, but it's really important to the people that care about you, that loved watching you play. And so that was what a lot of my discussions were kind of behind the scenes uh, on that front. Okay. Interesting stuff. You know, and when I, when I kind of handed it over to you, I was, I was, look, I was, the question was more about, you know, the vendors right. and the mood and the, that's fine. I'm going to, I'll save that for my after hour show late tomorrow night, uh, which should go live at about 1130 Eastern on the same channel. So we'll talk about that then. I want to say quick hello to Albert Jones, uh, all Valley. Welcome to the show, fellas. Thanks for joining Darren Herman. Great to see you. Shout out to Corey and show your slabs. They did have giant show your slabs uh, at the whatnot booth that were Quite impressive, actually. And I want to know, Joe Perot makes a comment. He says, Bleeker is on the bucket list. Thanks, Zablo, for bringing cool people together. Hope to get out there someday. Zablo, I want to know, and listen, I mean, you were there set up representing your brand. You had some swag on sale uh, or giveaway. I'm not sure exactly, but you, you were there more for your brand, I believe. And while Bleeker trading, you know, this is this is before the National. I still want to talk a bit about it because for me, uh, I, I took a four-day vacation to New York with my wife before I went to Atlantic City on Tuesday, and she flew back home. And, uh, and I had to get from New York to Atlantic City. How am I going to do that, right? I flew into, New I flew into Newark, great. How am I going to get there? Well, Zablo uh, and Bleeker, they arranged a shuttle bus for anybody who really, I guess, signed up and needed a ride. And I was so looking forward to that bus ride because I knew that I would be on this bus with like-minded people. I wasn't exactly sure who, but I knew that there'd be people I knew and just people that I had a lot in common with. And uh, so first of all, there was the layover event, which was like a, a, a trade night hosted by Card Ladder, which really, Zabla, you throw a lot of these things, you have hosts, but they're almost like special guests because really bleaker, nothing to take, nothing away from any of the people that you've dubbed as hosts, but really... Bleaker is hosting this thing. You've got you've got uh, Jake and Jess there being very hospitable, wonderful people. You built a, a nice team there. It's a great vibe. Um, so I want to thank you first of all for the ride, for the ride from New York City to Atlantic City. Uh, you weren't on the bus. I thought I was hoping you would be, but it was it was a great ride. Um, all of this to say, and to Joe Perot's comment, you know, people like you see, you're in New York City. You know, like just the cultural capital of the world. What are you seeing in terms of, you know, Joe says cool people. I'll say like athletes, celebrities, like what is, what, what is the temperature of the hobby from your bleaker perspective, which is a bucket list destination for people now. And at all, did, did it spill over into the national? Yeah, I think it, you know, one, um, I just appreciate um, you making the trip to New York. And, and when we spoke, you know, we said, Hey, we'll, we'll get you to the national. Um, we said that to a lot of people. Um, so I appreciate everyone that, uh, you know, has come out to Bleecker leading up to this to, to make it so great. Um, the, the event that Christina kind of helped think of before the national, uh, the layover was awesome. But everyone that took that bus, um, you know, quite frankly, we thought as we talk about, you know, the, the, the corporations coming into the national, 
we were 110% positive that a corporation was going to pay for that bus. Um, originally, it was going to be helicopters with Blade as they're right down the block from us and they go to Atlantic City. But all the Kobe collectors went away from the bleaker Blade idea. Uh, oh, so boy. the bus was bus was a few thousand bucks. It wasn't that expensive. But we were positive a corporation was going to pick it up. And unfortunately, up until the last minute, every corporation passed. Um, but again, that's why I go just I want to thank everyone that came and did it because there was 50 plus people that committed. And quite frankly, if we didn't shut it down, it would have been 110 people. Um, but the people that committed were a great mix of people flew in from all over the world, people who truly needed a ride. Um, you know, no one that was like taking advantage of everything and it became a massive brand moment for us. I think we got to meet a lot of great people, uh, you know, just meeting, you know, Kiki and his brother and having that whole, you know, creation connection come through. Um, you know, it was fun for us and we are in New York. And I think when you go back to our mission, Jeremy, uh, we looked at New York as, you know, really the cultural epicenter of anything that's relevant. And as this hobby was bubbling in 2020, we realized that New York City had no presence. So it is our responsibility to kind of look at that like something's coming here. There's a hole in the hobby. No one's thought about how to get to Atlantic City. We can be that vessel. And while corporate America didn't step up to offset that this time around i think it was kind of cool how many corporations said to us hey how come you didn't call us and ask us to help pay for it we would have been glad to do that um or just it said to us hey we thought that was so um just giving and genius of you guys can we come up with something you know just as beneficial to the hobby in chicago but obviously there's a different need so when you kind of lump that together, um, yeah, we are in New York City. We are in the West Village. I always joke and say, like, you know, we're not a good sense of the hobby because we have cards and coffee next door doing the retail. The nannies come in. They don't go on card ladder. They're, they're happy to, you know, buy at whatever price it is. Uh, we do have um, uh, fanatics and tops opening offices in the area. You do have a lot of figureheads, the Nat Turners, the Leors, and the so-and-sos living in and around that area. Um, so, you know, we're seeing it. We're feeling it. You know, big corporate push coming in. Collectors opening up that office in Jersey City is leading to a ton of hiring. I think they did a great job at the National having their job fair. Um, and I actually had an intern of ours. We went early, 830 Steve Sloan, their chief marketing officer, was standing at the booth, gave a young 19-year-old his business card. You know, kid went home holding the business card like it was like a like a like a Griffey rookie. Um, so I think it's, you know, that 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 type of stuff is pretty cool. Um, and you know, we're feeling it. Uh the again, we, we didn't get the corporate love we 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 had hoped leading to the national, but wow, when they got to the national and saw what was coming. Um, I think there's a big resurgence of it. I, I am reading a lot of comments that saying, you know, what about us? Right. Or what about the, you know, the average collector? Um, I think that comes. I think, you know, there are enough people that are going to realize, hey, there's an opportunity to get the other 99 percent. And I think, you know, you bring up brands like Backyard. Um, I'll be honest with you. I was disappointed in how small they went. I think you have brands like that and that can really open themselves up to the collectors. We talked about the breaking pavilion earlier. 
that was something I marked last year um, and the year before, really, as just total missed opportunities. I understand for the breakers that when they're breaking to the audience at home and there's all this cool stuff going around, their sales go up. But why are there not group breaks for us to join every hour? I can go to that pavilion and pull wax and all my favorite breakers have slots for the most amazing things that I could jump into and maybe whatnots offset some of those costs. But I think it's coming. You got to give these brands time. You got to give the people that are smart that they hired from other CPG companies time to learn this hobby. And then you got to believe in the visionaries. You got to believe in Nat Turner. You got to believe in what Josh Luber is doing. You got to believe in, you know, some of these other companies that are coming over and kind of where the worlds cross and, and, and trust that, yeah, you can invest in what you think can make you money. Or I think what I love about John is you could collect what you love and really treat it like a hobby. And if you do, you know, making 10, 20% to trade up in a new card, that's the hobby. Um, you know, that's what a lot of us were here for. So I think corporate America is going to make it better. I think it's coming soon. Um, that's what we're closed this whole month at Bleecker. Um, I will not do one event because we're, we're, we're gearing up for what's coming. I know you have Warren on soon. I'm sure he'll share a lot of that. Um, but there's a, a lot coming. I think he awesome. knows DJ Ski. I think I heard. <laughs> Everybody knows DJ Ski, John. <laughs> DJ Ski is the hobby. <laughs> Let's be clear. One of the friendliest, uh, you know, celebrity influencers uh, in the hobby for sure. He's always uh, always got a big smile. DJ Ski does. Yamwax, welcome to the show, Corey. He says, Mark Zablo, believe in him. Justin, uh, really like John's thoughts on the power of the interaction and the autograph. I agree. He also says here, seems like a lot of people got to put their grubby paws on that 1952 tops Mickey Mantle. Uh, I want to, I want to put you, I want to put this to you for a second, Suze, because you're someone who appreciates the fine pieces in our hobby. You're a bat, you're a baseball fan. You love your Derek Jeter and your New York Yankees. Um, did you go and take a look at this card? Is that something that you do at nationals is go seek out at, you know, oftentimes the auction houses have on display amazing pieces that, uh, that many of us will never be able to own, never mind touch. Did you go around? Did anything sort of uh, impress you from that perspective? Oh, for sure. I mean, like you said, there's things that you're never going to see again. So I definitely checked out the couple of mantles on the floor that were um, super high grades, um, the best you're going to find. Um, because how can you not, as a, as a hobbyist, how can you not appreciate those things? Um, so I certainly checked them out. I made sure to uh, to bring my husband and son around because, again, how they you never know if they're ever going to see it again. And um, you know, at the CSG booth, we actually had Jordan sneakers. Like, again, literally have never been seen in public those six sneakers where he won the NBA Finals. Um, so I when you know they all got set up, and I even like I sat there and I took a minute to like reflect and like how awesome are these sneakers because again, these are things you never see. And sometimes you might never even see them again. So it's like, it's like when you go around, you said you saw a card you wanted to buy and you needed to buy it now because it might not even be there in 15 minutes. It's the same way. If you don't go check something out at the national, you might never see it again. So you, you, you are better off going to look at it and appreciate it. And take a picture with, I remember being at, I think it was Cleveland in 2013. One of the booths, one of the auction houses had two T206 Honus Wagners and I held them both in my hand and, 
got a picture. I can't find that picture anymore. I keep looking for it. But, uh, you know, at one time I held two of these things. You know, 99.9% of the people in the world will never uh, be in the same room as one. And uh, what, a, what, a, what a kind of a neat thrill just to be able to to hold them. Oh, wow. That's a, and that's a label. That's a, a 7.5. <laughs> that must be worth billions. That's an old CSG label. 7.5 right there. But this, <laughs> this is so this is a reprint. But you know, oh, really? It's readable. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. I just have it sitting around my office. <laughs> oh, you fooled me. <laughs> but but I love I love the so the same aspect of like appreciating the art and things like that. I have this sitting in my. I don't collect baseball, but it's such a historic card that it's like I wanted a representation of it. So this is my representation. It was a little yeah. less than a billion dollars. So very fair, very fair. <laughs> love what you collect. Says my daughter and I had a wonderful time at the national. I love the part. My daughter and I, number one, a young person, number two, a female. That's just that's just really nice to see. Uh, Rob Gerard from the Sports Card Therapist podcast. Actually, I had the pleasure of recording an, uh, an episode with Mark. Uh, sorry, with Rob. Was that yesterday? I guess it was yesterday. And I think you released it today. It says the Bleaker brand is becoming a force in the hobby. Salute to what you are building. Very nice compliment towards you, Mr. Mark Zablo. Uh, GM10, what was the most unique card you saw at the National? Question for all of you. I mean, for me, uh, there there were so many. There were so many cards. I felt like this, this version of the National had the best cards I'd ever seen, the most cards I ever wanted to buy. Couldn't, couldn't afford most of them, but still came away with some nice cards. But, I mean, there were so many. I, I can't really answer that. Does anyone have a card that just blew them away and as far as the uniqueness or how you never really see it? No, I mean, Ken Kendrick's saw... entire collection was there. That was like Ken impressive. Kendrick of the of the Diamondbacks. Yeah. His collection was on display at I believe at the PSA booth, correct? Yeah, I mean there GM10 my my you know there were lots there were lots. I mean gosh, it was just it, it's an. It seems like an. It feels like an endless wonderland of cardboard heaven to me. And someone, uh, you know, go ahead, John. Someone had a limited logos, um, two thousand three four set, the Ooh. whole set, and that blew me away because you've seen the individual cards. You see the Jordan. You see the LeBron. You see Dwayne Wade. You see all that. You never see the whole set. I mean, it was like that blew me away. Yeah, that that that's something to see. On one of the days, this was really cool. At the Probstein booth, there was a a girl uh, behind the booth. She wasn't working for Rick Probstein. She was just there hanging out at his booth. But she had like three showcases. And on display was her personal collection of Marvel precious metal gems. And she had like the whole set in, in purple, the whole set in green, the whole set in red, I believe. And... Uh, that night I was talking to a friend of mine who's like, you know, I want to find some marble cards. I go, well, I got something. You, you have to go by Probe Scenes booth just to take a look at this. Went back the next day. It wasn't there anymore. Like she was only on display for one day. And I felt like I let my friend down because he couldn't see these cards. And there were, oh, it, it was just like, you know, I've also heard comments. People say, you know, if you have a card that's not for sale, why even put it in your showcase? Well, why? There's so many good reasons to do that. There's so many good reasons to put a, a big card that's not for sale in your showcase. And I mean, do we have to go through them? Sure. Number one, it brings people to your table. It's a conversation starter. It might let people know that you're you're willing to buy more cards like that. It starts conversations, as I just said. 
And that could lead to who knows what opportunities to find more cards. Uh, and maybe someone's going to say, well, what's the not for sale price? And then you <laughs> give it to them and they say, well, I'll take it. And then you have a real big decision on your hands sort of thing. But anyone want to, anyone have anything to add to those, to that whole sort of situation? I mean, at the CSG booth, those, the Jordan sneakers were not for sale. Um, they were just there for display because like you said, it's, it's a conversation piece. It gets people to come over and see this, these amazing items and just gets people talking. I, it's, it's, I mean, people do the similar thing, right? On eBay, they'll, they'll post a card that they don't plan on selling on eBay um, for an absurd price um, just because it, it brings attention. Um, I, I'm okay. Like as a marketing person, I'm okay with that strategy. Yeah. No, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, just I, I, it was one of the few things I stopped to like go out of my way to take a picture of were those was that Jordan exhibit at that booth. Um, to me, just it was something you didn't know if you're going to see it again. Um, so unlike maybe the PSA booth where when you walked by, you saw some of those amazing cards, but you, you're going to see them, you know, again. So there was there was some of those elements that, you know, I think were were really worth trying to to, to go out of your way to do. And that, that was the CSG booth where, uh, Suze, you've recently moved to CSG. So how's it going so far? Just are you enjoying it there and everything? I've been there a whole month. Super exciting. Um, no, it's really great. Everybody there is so super nice, um, which is fine. Like, it's like I say that, and I don't mean it as in a negative way against anybody else because, like, I was at Golden. I love the people at Golden. Like, I spend time with them at the National Suit, like, hanging out, talking to them. Um, but everybody's just so nice. What I love about um, the people at CSG too is that um, they're all really passionate about it. And that's, it's really fun because I could sit there and have conversations about cards and not that I could have done anywhere else again. But it's like I could sit there and talk about cards and geek out about cards. And, you know, you see something cool coming through. And for me, like literally cards is my life. Like it's my hobby. It's my job. My best friend is a collector. My husband's a collector. My son is obviously now a collector. So, like, for me to be able to geek out about cards is is really special and important to me. Well, you say cards are my life. I'm like, yep, sign me up. I mean, that's <laughs> definitely the way uh, the way it is for me as well. We talked uh, backyard breaks came up before. I want to mention one thing about them because when I did go through the. I went. I was walking through the the Breaker Pavilion area at one point, and I I didn't spend all. I spent maybe a, a whole of ten minutes in that in that end of the show. I'm just. I don't do breaks much, well, if ever really. But I wa- I saw their booth, and I thought I'm just gonna go look. I'm gonna go look and see what what the feeling, the vibe was. And I went over there, and they were just. It, it was like a party at their booth. They had a big booth. It was like a party. And the one one guy looks at me, and goes, "Hey, you want a shirt?" I'm like. Yeah, actually, I do want a shirt, you know, so I, I've got myself a Backyard Breaks shirt, which I just think is kind of funny because, you know, just of all the drama that's been around them and all that over the past little while. But uh, but my point to this is that I saw so many people wearing Backyard, those red Backyard Breaks shirts throughout the room. Zablo's nodding like John, Suze, I'm sure you guys saw these, too. They did a great job at branding and marketing themselves, despite despite kind of the other side of things that's been going on. So. I mean, you know, I got to say kudos to them for for just kind of fighting through and uh, and still making a statement and having all these people wearing their bright red. All it said was backyard breaks in white shirts as they were walking through the show. Uh, Justin Vick says, I wonder how many Gretzky rookies I encountered. Quite a few, quite a few, Justin. There were, again, as we said earlier in the show, tons of hockey in the room this time, which was such a nice, pleasant surprise 
for myself. Yamwax, yes, great to see you. You've been busy in, in real life, but uh, great to see you still jumping in every so often. Everybody, Everybody's a fan of you, Yamwax. I, I think that's fair to say. I wanted to go to the comment from, uh, I don't see it here, but it was, the question was, the Mantle 9.5, it's in an SGC holder. What do people think it's going to sell for? I looked earlier today and it has now passed. It is now past the T206 that was sold by Golden earlier this week at 7.25 million with the buyer's premium, the 52 tops Mickey Mantle in an SGC 9.5 holder is at, I think, $7.32 million. Um, where do you guys think this thing could end? And I mean, this is totally, uh, we're to it's total guesswork, but do any of you want to just take a, take a, take a guess at it? I, I was just going to say, I, I was more amused by the fact that Ken announced that private sale because it was, a, he knew it was about to be overtaken. <laughs> it's just like, quick, we're going to have the highest record for a day. <laughs> and then something's going to overtake it. I just thought that was funny. It was like such forced news. Uh, but I have no idea. It's baseball, so I'm. <laughs> I'll sit out on the prediction. I mean, See? it's at the point where it's above, like you said. Ken, I'll say that Ken Golden is a great marketer. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's a fantastic marketer, and so announcing that was strategic. And like you said, it can claim the record as the highest selling trading card of all time, even if it's for a few days. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I have no, I mean, it could, it, people have asked me, could it break 10 million? Yeah, it looks like it definitely could break 10 million. I'm always intrigued by auctions because it's those last few hours and the sort of um, post, you know, whatever they call it, that's always the most intriguing because everybody, that's when it's going. So it's like now is the time where everything is quiet, but that last day, things are going to go crazy. I, I'll take a guess. I mean, I'm going to say, I think it's going to end somewhere in that like 11 12 million dollar range which is a lot higher than it is right now i mean that's what i think you know that's just my my feeling i could be way off but i'm willing to put it on record here just for the fun there, of it uh, there was there was a psa 10 in the room if i'm correct right it was a private collection which is weird when you think about it because there's so much hype over the 9.5 and there's a psa 10 also in the room that's not for sale it's not being put up but that was weird to me, like the the kind of and there wasn't much of a split in excitement. Like I, I see everyone talking about the nine five because it's getting all the news coverage. But like there's potentially a better one, depending on the grades that you trust, you know, that that was in the room as well. Just thought I'd point out. Yeah, that was part of the Ken Kendrick collection, the Arizona Diamondbacks owner. That was part of his collection. But yeah, it was. I, I agree with you because like I didn't realize till much later on or very like the day before the national that that was that card was going to be there. But I definitely checked out both of them. Well, I'm sad to to say that I did not go visit either of those cards and uh, take pictures with them or anything. But um, but uh, hey, nice to know that I was in the same room as them. You know, the the PSA 10. You know, I've, I've heard estimates 25 to 50 million dollars in value for that. The SGC 9.5 is a stunning looking card. If it can't sell for 30 percent of the of a PSA 10, then then uh, we're we're buying we're buying holders, not cards. At that point, it, it would be my opinion. I think we still uh, are, <laughs> yeah. even without that. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Daniel Busby, good evening to you. Uh, Corey, show your slab says Zagblo. Zablo gave Tim from Slab Strong and I amazing opportunity was to help brand the Corona booth 
at the Major League Baseball All-Star Weekend. So he actually puts his money where his mouth is. There's a really nice endorsement for you, Zablo, again. You know, it, it, listen, I'm, we're not here to just throw flowers at you all night long. But, uh, but you know, you are, putting out, you are putting things out and trying to elevate the hobby along with your brand and, and, and business interests, which is, of course, natural. But, um, but again, I, th- thanks for the ride. <laughs> hey, Jeremy, I'm just jealous that you're, you get to try to make this your full-time job now. I, pre- I appreciate that, Zablo. Yeah, as I, as I recently did let people know, I'm, I've been unemployed now. July 15th was the last day of my job. I'm a CPA by trade, and I've worked in accounting and finance for tw- well, over 25 years now, and I decided that uh, I am done with that work. I do not want to do that kind of work anymore. I want to work in the hobby. So, you know, content is, is top, top uh, of the list for me. I'm going to continue doing the content and, uh, and exploring some opportunities in the hobby as we speak and see where, where that leads me. But that, uh, can, I I ask, can I ask you a question then? Yeah. Um, just understanding how vital creating content is to your brand. My whole how, brand is content. How, 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 how much did it hurt not having Wi-Fi at the National? Well, like, so, forget about comps and all that for people yeah. in your role, for real people that needed to do business. What was it like? So I, okay. So I'm going to answer it on the behalf, on behalf of my fellow. And, and before you answer, did you know it was going to be that way? No, I had no idea, but I'm not the best content creator to ask that of because I did not, I, I actually went to national deliberate with a deliberate uh, uh, focus of not creating content i did not go there to create content i went there to be a collector and see my friends and make new friends and all that so so i'll start off by saying that but if i was going there to do that mark um it would have been i think it might have been somewhat devastating if you wanted to do live content you know you could have just picked up your phone and recorded video and uploaded it later from your hotel room i think that's a good workaround for a lot of people but um you know, you said my brand is is, is uh, a big part of it is the content. Um, for me, again, that wasn't what I went to the national for. My my content is live stream. So you know, sitting in this environment and live streaming. There's so many great content creators out there. I noticed Jake Roy from '90s B-ball cards just joined us. Um, yeah, he was in the same boat on the content front. Jake does great videos, but I guess it also wasn't there to go create content so my whole thing was there's so many great content creators that are going to be doing vlogs from the show that are better at it than me i'll leave it to them i'll stick to my lane which is this format that we're in right now but a great question zablo i'm sorry that i didn't have the a a great answer john i would add there too i mean it was debilitating to the corporates you know so i did i did the video wall for beckett this year and so i got to see behind the scenes there quite a bit and i know on the first day it was especially bad with the wi-fi even if you were a vendor and you paid the 70 or $90 or whatever it was per computer to connect, you still didn't get it. And their systems like to make the labels, to do the encapsulation so that you could leave the booth with an encapsulated card that's already on the website that needs the internet, you know? And so it was debilitating even for the corporates there. I think in a lot of those ways, people trying to make sales like fanatic sell stuff on the floor, like people had no service. So all of those common things I, and, and even Venmo, even Venmo and PayPal, like for people like me who did not bring a ton of cash to buy stuff with, I can't pay people. You know, Sunday was the only day I had reliable service because a lot of people were gone and I could actually use Venmo at that point. 
Um, so it, it just really um, that, that it was debilitating, I think, across the board. Yeah. And, you know, Zabla, you said never mind comps, but that's where people really did suffer was not being able to go look at completed listings or any of the, uh, the, 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 the resources for comps to be comfortable with prices. And I did, I did the biggest deal of my life uh, value wise with no cash, no cash involved. I, I, tra- I traded away seven cards and I received back three cards. And I'm going to get into detail with this late tomorrow night on my after hours show. 1130 Eastern on this channel. Um, but the cards I traded away, I'm going to save this for tomorrow. Let me just say that I didn't, you know, it, it was tough to, to, to really figure out what these cards were worth. The cards I traded away were a bit easier, more liquid. The cards I traded away for, I had no way to really know what they were worth. I just had to take a leap of faith and, and go for cards that I really wanted to own. And, uh, and I'm happy I did. So, I love what I got. Again, I'm going to show that tomorrow. I'll leave that as a teaser. Please join me tomorrow night as I show the cards that I did pick up and the, the stories behind the deals, which uh, was there. It was a lot of fun. Um, I want to. So Anthony George says, I seen Jay Lee. That's me creeping in the background of Jeff, uh, Jeff Wilson's sports card investors video. I don't know if any of you saw that, but uh, it just how so happened. He was recording his, one of his top five videos in the corporate area. And I happened to be walking by and noticing and I kind of, you know, I'm pretty tall, right? So I bent down and I kind of got up behind him and did a little one, a little bit one of these things. And uh, they had fun with it in the video. They actually slowed it down and made a, a funny like uh, sound effect with it. So in any event, uh, thanks for noticing that, Anthony George. Appreciate that. Uh, back to the, the the internet. Justin Vick says, I get mad when lightning takes out my internet during sports cards live. I appreciate that, Justin. M. Perk says, uh, congratulations. The hobby's lucky to I appreciate that. M. Perk, another guy that was, again, great to uh, great to meet. Yeah, I remember you were talking about uh, the ATM 6% on, on your withdrawals. That can be that can be tough. And John Wee, John Wee from Center Stage App says, one dealer told me he doesn't believe in comps and he knows the price of every card in existence. Well, that's a smart guy right there for sure, for sure. Um, okay. We're at an hour, almost hour, 20 minutes. Uh, anything else, you guys, any other comments you have on the uh, next? I want to tie that together if we can. Thank you. Uh, you know, there were a handful of companies, um, Center Stage, Collects, Ludex, uh, probably some more I don't know off the top of my head. I know John knows this world a little better than me. But this price checker world is, is really becoming real. The AI is not there. But we're, we're, we're on the right path. Jeremy, you brought up before some of the uh, QR code solutions. I know Show Your Slabs is working on some solutions. Um, but could we forecast a day in 2023, if not 2024, where we know the dealers, the inventory is somewhat synced, the prices can change in real time through their apps and I can show up to a national and open up my app and type in a card and find my dealer. I think we're with, with all these people kind of showing up, it's going to take a few of them to fail. It's going to take some consolidation. Um, and some but integration. Gonna, but you know, when you go back to what we do at Bleecker, it's trying to give the people like Tim and Corey a chance to get on the main stage because it forces a fanatics. It forces a collectors to take notice 
that we as this hobbyist at the bottom, we want we want the, we want to be taken care of. And I think a lot of people were saying, hey, what's it what's for the average collector at these shows? Um, I think it's coming. I think it's all coming. Um, I think there is some disruption that needs to happen in the tension of corporate versus hobbyist. What happens to the dealers that get squeezed out? What happens to the people that don't want to walk through a football field of corporate to get to the back dealers, which I love where all the 90s inserts are, John? Um, So I think there's a lot of questions that come. One thing that we didn't touch on, and we don't need to dive into it today, but you gotta you gotta ask the question is the Gary V impact and the fact that the Nationals stuck him in the corner um, and he still had a line down it. And what does happen when he gets competitive next year and his booth is as good as the Kentuckys, et cetera? Um, I think there's so much coming to a great city like Chicago where it's so condensed and focused. Um, it's a great time to be in this hobby. Yeah, right on. What well, what really really well said, uh, as Justin Vick mentioned right here, Zablo. Um, you know, for, re- regarding Gary V, and I, I was at his booth, had a nice chat with him. Uh, I ha- kind of got the feeling that he wanted to just be among the dealers and not have a big crowd around him. That was my feel from him. So, but who knows? Next year, he could want to scale up his his presence and uh, with his V friends uh, game now out on the market. M- maybe he will. You know, you talked earlier, Zablo, about visionaries in the hobby. We have to believe in them. You're a visionary in this hobby, Zablo. You just, you just spoke about, you just spoke as a visionary does. Um, and, you know, 90s b-ball cards, Jake said, you know, that would sure be a really cool possibility. Again, having all the dealers synced up with their cards, this is visionary. It makes me think that we are still early on in this hobby. We're all, you're always early on. The past is the past. The future is only the only thing that's left ahead of us. And as I've said before, as, as long as there are sports, there are there are going to be a cards. And as long as there are people, there are going to be collectors. So uh, I think that the hobby is here to stay. You don't, you know, we're, we're 140 years in. I don't see it, it just uh, sort of simmering out all, all of a sudden. Uh, Clay Phillips says, hi to you, Suze. Welcome to the show. Clay Phillips, appreciate that. Do you guys want to show some cards that you got there? I, I forgot. I was about to, to wrap up, uh, but let's show some cards that you guys uh, acquired for yourselves. If any, I know, Suze, you picked up some Jeters. John, I'm sure you picked up. Zablo, did you pick up some cards at, at the show for yourself? You're, you're on mute. I did. I'm moving right now, so I packed up a few things. And also, I'm testing um, all the vault companies. So I did send home all my type ones, all my wax, all my high end cards. Um, I really want to get to know all of it, but um, I collect a lot of these fun 90 inserts. So um, some of like these Donruss elites, I don't know if I could show them well. Oh, you love um, the Donruss elites. I know you, you know, do. just some of like the earlier serial number cards, even not the highest grades, but I actually picked up the Frank Thomas, which is cool. Um, what are those numbered out of on the back, Zablo? What are those elites numbered out of? Ten thousand or something? Ten thousand and um, yeah, all ten thousand. Um, some Pinnacle Museum collection. Uh, first Beckett card actually. Um, Collector's Choice Gold Signature. Remember these dollar packs in the gas station? Not a big baseball guy, but reminiscing on that, I think if you look at 
inserts like these, Jeremy, you know, they cross over to hockey and there's some Gretzky ones. So yeah, had some fun there. Um, and then really my prize possession, um, was, oh. uh, you know, I found an autograph oh. dealer, found, oh, found yes. some Iverson Georgetown. You'd appreciate John. And I think Absolutely. this is the one thing that kind of shocked me about the national was, you know, when you see people like Iverson who historically never signed and you're able to buy these for under a hundred dollars each, um, just access to fun stuff, you know? Um, so I had a great time. Right on Zablo. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Suze, how about you? What did you, what do you, did you pick up that you'd like to share? I didn't get anything too crazy. I mean, lots of people know I collect Derek Jeter. So I was mostly focused on getting Jeter more finding Jeter cards. I didn't have, which, um, unless they were like super high end, it wasn't really a whole lot of them, but I did get this one, which was 2011 tops update diamond anniversary parallel. These are like my favorite flagship parallels. I absolutely love them. Um, I did get a couple Anthony Rizzo cards. Um, I also like Rizzo and the Yankees, and this is number to five. This was out of um, the tra- not the tra- it was uh, the 70th uh, Tops anniversary celebration party they had in the city, a couple of New York City for you, not New York people, uh, in the city a couple weeks, uh, a couple months ago. And this is pretty cool. This was from the Women of the Hobby booth. Um, they were giving out these Rachel Balkovec and also this card as well, but. Um, for me, because I'm actually getting a nice collection of her cards. And you can see it has, like, a Women in the Hobby logo on it. And on oh, the yeah. back, it also has, like, different stuff about the National. And it's pretty cool because, like, I have a safe search of hers on eBay. And they were popping up on eBay, and they were going for, like, $50, um, which is kind of nice because they were just handing them out at the booth. I'm not selling it because I don't sell cards. Um, but it was pretty nice that, like, there was a pretty – for free, you were getting these really nice giveaways at the Women in the Hobby booth that was set up. Um, at the national so it was really nice well great stuff thanks for showing and you did a video on your own youtube channel i believe showing all the jeters you picked up at the show do you want to let people know the name of the channel so they can go check out uh your video pretty sure it's yanks chick or maybe it's question i don't know it's a great question <laughs> <laughs> i'm showing your own channel <laughs> yeah um i'm pretty sure it's probably just yanks chick because i probably have yanks chick it's and like you when you ask you someone their see. phone number these days, and they go, I don't remember that. Don't that yeah. happens all the time, right? Let me ask my wife what my phone number is. Yeah. Um, every for everybody on the panel, as you've if you probably as you've probably noticed, their their Instagram account is is uh on the ticker below. Zabla, I put bleaker trading on there. Is that good for you? That's good, right on. Good, good to know. Thank you. Uh John, why don't you show us some cards you picked up? Yeah, so I, I got a bunch of things signed there. So this is a Mitch Richmond motion card. Yes. Zablo will love. Now, the amazing part about this is Mitch had never seen this card before in his life. So the moment that he's sitting there turning it and going, wow. You know, he had the wow moment that I did when I pulled it as a kid. So I had him sign that. This card I picked up in the $3 box and had Chris Mullen sign it. So, you know, one of those opportunistic, you know, zones where you find a beautiful card and you go, man, an autograph would look great down there. And, you know, get it done. And then I have Mitch sign this one, too. Um, you know, the uh, the uh, silver, uh, slick silver. And then um, I had uh, Mullen sign the uh, Beam Team Hall of Fame, you know, to do a little 90s action there. I picked up a couple of slabs. I got a, a Jordan um, and a Kobe Rubies, which I had been looking Ooh. for for a while. Um, this is the first year they did Rubies. Very hard condition cards because a lot of people don't realize this. 
They didn't insert them in the packs. They put them as box toppers. The little card, not a big one that won't move around much. Like this card was literally flying around that box as long as that box was sealed. Um, and then exquisite was like my other thing. I always look for exquisite stuff. So Paul Pierce, who we talked about earlier, I got to spend some time with him, not at this show, but a couple of other times uh, at his enshrinement. He was just, he's a ball of fun. This man is amazing. And DraftKings he works with, so he does a lot of events with them. So I picked that one up, picked a Havlicek up. It's on patch. It's an actual patch too. Number out of 15, you never see them. So I was like, I need to have that. And then this, I, I, I still haven't put the trio together at home yet, but this is the Scotty Pippen limited logos. Uh, I had the Rodman, I had the Jordan, so now I've got the trio, so I'm pretty excited there. And then lastly, just on the point of our our discussions earlier about meeting people and having those connections, um, this card, which has a, you know, you can see the Kobe autograph there, autofocus, uh, Kobe Bryant. This was my card, my exact card. I sold it to somebody at a show in Connecticut a year and a half ago, and I ran into him at the show, and I said, hey, do you have any basketball on you? And he said, I have one card, the card that you sold me. Is in my back. <laughs> so I was like, amazing. So he sold it back to me for the same price. Um, so it's back in my collection. We've done that before, too. Uh, we tend to sell tough stuff to each other, trade it, and then trade back later. Um, you get attached to your own cards, I guess. Um, but those were like, those are the highlights for me. And then one other thing I wanted to just show and add. Um, I picked this up. Um, card art is becoming a bigger and bigger thing. You know, and at the Beckett booth, they actually had Luke the Cardist who does painting. This is a card that I had from him before. He literally does, um, you mm. have uh, like markers, literal paint pens. He drew the shoe and the basketball in the background freehand on this card. So he was at the booth for a couple of days doing live card art that was being given away. But this is from Piggy Banks. He brought this one. It's an aged card. It's beautiful. And it, it's literally bent and has the bent corners and but it's a one of one. It's the only one he's going to produce of that. Um, he does everything below 10, 10 and below. Um, and this was just, it just spoke to me. It was just, it just cool. Jordan sticking his tongue out and it just, everything was neat about it. Um, so that was my actual favorite pickup, despite having exquisite nineties inserts and all that. Um, we know Darren loves the card art. Um, so that was, that was something distinctive. Actually, when you talked about earlier, Jeremy, like what'd you see in the room that really stood out to, that did. That did. And it wasn't the most expensive card in the room by far, but never had seen it before. It spoke to me. And I think that's as a collector, that's what you look for. Something that resonates with you and that you'll cherish and never want to let go of. So I love the, I love the card art. Luke, the cardist had a display at the mint collective. Uh, yeah. His, his cards just pop. Uh, he does a wonderful job. So I'm glad you showed those that that's really cool stuff right there. Um, thanks for sharing some of your pickups. I'm going to just show a couple things because, again, tomorrow night I'm going to go in more detail. But uh, in the spirit of Mitch Richmond, uh, this card, this card, he Mitch signed this for me at the Wednesday night party. It came out of a cigar box that I got from uh, Lucas Tigers <laughs> and Bronze. Thanks again to to Andrew and Cage for that. And then I want to show that this. this is pretty cool. Uh, if you stayed at the Sheraton, your room keys were sponsored by Upper Deck, and I managed to get a complete set of them. So when oh, when I check, I'll show you, I'll show you those. Oh, wow. Can you show those? I will. When you checked in, you got to pick two of them. So I thought, okay, that's easy. I'm going to pick Wayne Gretzky and Michael Jordan. Easy choice. And then I had to decide, which one am I going to use? Because whichever one I'm going to use is going to get, the surface is going to get ruined as you run it in, 
into the in, you know you have to put it in the car into the door and pull it out so you're, you're Zabo is literally on eBay right now buying these. I, I can tell I can look at the eyes. <laughs> it's 100 percent on eBay right now. They're, well, they're awesome. So I, I got the Jordan and the Gretzky, and I didn't use the Jordan. I, I wanted I kept it nice in the I brought it home, so it's never been used. But the Gretzky, the surface, I mean, this thing's this thing's pretty banged up. I mean, it was in my pocket for it was in my pocket for like a week, you know? So, uh, and, and I used it. But as I was leaving, at the end of the show, they had extras. And I said, can I get the rest of them? And they gave me, the people at the desk gave me the rest of them. So you also had a Connor McDavid. Pretty cool. Look there, that, that looks good. Yeah, Connor McDavid. You had a Tiger Woods. These are all, of course, upper deck spokespeople. Tiger Woods. Of course, it's just, that's not a patch. This is just a room key. Right. You Not a patch, had... just a room key. Never heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Put that on a t-shirt. Patrick Waugh, Patrick Waugh of the Colorado Avalanche and formerly the Montreal Canadiens. That's a nice uh, allure or a, a stature card from an upper deck hockey product with a patch and a, an auto, of course. Not an auto, just a room key. And then finally, uh, LeBron James, which is in the style of a Goodwin Champions card. So I I got, listen, I, I remember last time at the, at the National... I don't remember what hotel it was, but I saw somebody had these. And I'm like, damn, I, I got to stay at that hotel. I want those. Those are cool collectibles. This time I was at the right hotel and I managed to get the whole set of, of room keys, which is, I thought was pretty cool. Lastly, I'll just show this. This is a, a Marvel card of a superhero named Cage. And this came from, again, the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Cigar Night. Of course, Cage is one of the co-hosts of that show, along with Andrew Goldberg and he distributed these cage cards in uh, in the cigar boxes if you were a tiger holder, which I happen to be. So I got some cigars and a card cage. I got to get Cage to sign this. I can't believe I didn't think of it back. I got I was he was right there when Mitch Richmond signed this for me. I should have got Cage to sign this for me as well. I'll make sure to do that next time I see him, which will probably be, who knows, maybe sooner than later, but probably the Mint Collective, if nothing else. All right, there we have it. Oh, lots of comments that have come in. I've missed. All of these. I'm going to run through the comments, guys, really quick. And then we're going to end this for now. Appreciate everybody who is here. Uh, Jake says, super cool. Corey has the McDavid key. Justin Vick says, unique keepsake. Right? I agree. M. Perk, of course you did, Jeremy. You're such a baller. You know, you, I know you, I live, you know, I live the hustle. Well, I'd, hey, if I can get them, I'm going to get them. I mean, I think they're a great collectible. Corey stated the Claridge. I don't, did they have keys at the Claridge, Corey, like that? Yes, Ichiro, they are very cool. McDavid Green, get those keys graded. I have seen keys like this graded from prior years, by the way. You'll see them the odd time on uh, on eBay and elsewhere. Uh, Stamatis says the room keys are selling as we speak. I bet they have. And Darren Herman, I may have just bought a bunch off eBay too. too fun. Oh, so the Claridge had them as well. It wasn't just the share, and that's good to hear. All right. Listen, we're going to wrap this up. This has been this is the second episode ever of a new show that I'm introducing, starting it on a Friday night at 9:30 Eastern. It's meant to run for about 90 minutes. It's called Hobby Hangout. I'm going to bring in a panel of guests and we're just going to talk about different topics and show some cards do last time we did what I was calling the cardboard bazaar. We showed some cards we had for sale. We're not we didn't do that tonight. This is more about the National and bringing in these three different uh, awesome perspectives on not just the National, but the hobby as well. Uh, there's Jeremy from Collectors Leave. Thank you, Fernando, for the comment. I'm glad you appreciated it, guys. You can follow these three 
on their Instagram channels. If you're not already, I will be back tomorrow night, 10 o'clock Eastern with Brian Gray, Leaf CEO. Look, I could have invited Brian onto this, but none of all, not, we wouldn't have been able to speak. He would have talked the whole time. I'm giving him his own show tomorrow night. He's going to give us his perspective on the national and the state of the hobby. I think he tweeted out that he spent close to a million dollars of the show on cards. So he will have a good idea on the pulse of the hobby right now. So he will be on with us tomorrow at 10 o'clock Eastern. And then when that show ends, I'm going to go on by myself on after hours and go through my personal experience at the national this past week, my pickups. And then again, Sunday, seven o'clock Eastern Warren Lawfer and Zablo. What are, I'm going to actually ask you Zablo for a quick sec. Um, to give a description of what of Warren's position in the hobby. Are you comfortable doing that? No. <laughs> I'll just, just say... Before, uh... before you jump in, Zablo, Warren will be on with me, Collectible Live, this channel, Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern. Zablo, say what you were going to say, please, now. I've got to know Warren over the last plus year. He runs uh, that Mint 10 Fund. Uh, from what I understand, he has a huge history in the hobby, Back to the autograph days, big history with Mike Trout. Um, but what he's on to, and I'll let him share, um, just from a biz dev side, I think he's one of the smartest people in the hobby. He has his hand in a fund that is invested uh, across the board, and he's someone that I count on when kind of having those discussions of, hey, like what brings the hobby to that level? So very smart guy, comes from Wharton. You're starting to see a lot of those folks around the hobby as well too. I'm sure it'll be a very interesting conversation. I'm looking forward to it on Sunday. Yeah, thanks, Zablo. I, I did see him. He was at Bleecker on the Monday night before National, and uh, I'm excited to have him in, to have him on with me again. Collectible Live Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern. Ichiro wants to collect you, Sus, on your new job. That's wonderful. Who's the bobblehead behind you? Uh, it's Ken Kemenitti. There you go, Ken Kemenitti. Hobby Champs is here. I follow Hobby Champs on Inst on, on Twitter. Show your slabs. I think Zablo can do the toe with Brian, Brian Gray. Go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Uh, thank you, All Valley. And uh, all right, that's it, guys. To, to the chat, thank you, everybody, for being here. As always, appreciate your, your engagement. John, the basketball card guy, pleasure to have you. You've become a regular on the PWCC auction ending shows once a month for their premier auction. Suze, you're a hobby stalwart. We'll have you back again, I'm sure. Zablo, I do want to have you back for a solo episode of, of Sports Cards Live so we can learn more about you uh, on your own. But, guys, I thank all of you. And uh, feel free to say goodbye yourselves. Now we're going to end this. John? Yeah, thank you for having me again. And John asked a question earlier on there. Why don't I have a Kobe on the wall? I don't have a Kobe autographed jersey. I would love one. So if someone's got one out there, something that's authenticated by Panini or your upper deck, let's chat. We'll get it on the wall. <laughs> thank reach you. Out, reach out to me. John. Sue's anything you'd like to say to the crowd? Um, thanks for having me. This was super fun. And you know, I love the hobby. So hearing from all these different people and just different ideas always just is inspiring to me. Thanks for being here. Zablo, final words. I just want to say thanks to everyone that you know came tonight to tune in. I think I saw over 100 people in the chat. So just... Congrats to you, Jeremy. Um, love what you're doing by extending your brand and your day-to-day -day in the hobby. The more shows, the better. The more ideas, the better. Some will work, some won't. Um, but just appreciate what you're doing. Appreciate you having me on. Um, so thankful we got a chance to spend some time and meet, not just in New York, but, you know, uh, you are the most recognizable person at the show. Um, so it's very easy to find you. You are a beacon. 
um, and just uh, really appreciate everything you're doing. I look forward to spending more time with you soon. Same here, Mark. Thank you so much. It helps when you're uh, just shy of six foot six with no hair on your head. Thank you, Rolling with FD. Appreciate that. Glad you're here. Great to see you. That's it, everybody. This episode is over. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.